Psalm 119, 145 says, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Hear my voice according to thy loving kindness. O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgment. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are true. I thought we just heard that in a song. (laughs) He's always there. Verse 152, concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the song service. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Lord, what a simple song. Lord, we often leave it to the children. and Lord, miss out on its wonderful message. That a God as righteous and holy as you, that Lord will allow no sin into heaven, loves us so deeply. Lord, how deep the Father's love that we should be called even the sons of God, the children of God. We thank you, Lord, tonight that we have a message to send. Lord, I'm grateful tonight for those that prepare the meals and those that help bring water to places that are struggling with drought. But Lord, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. Lord, we don't have to go halfway around the world to be a missionary. Lord, we don't have to go halfway around the, the town to be a missionary. We've got our own neighborhoods, we can share the gospel with those that are around us. We ask you, Lord, tonight as we just rejoice in the goodness of God, we are grateful for the word of God tonight. What we can't do by ourselves, God, would you do for us tonight? We ask you tonight that you just hide behind the cross of Calvary. And God, would you get me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with your spirit. God, work in hearts tonight, Lord, and you've reminded us you're already there. And we're thankful tonight, Lord, that you're already here. Lord, you were waiting on us to come and worship you, and we're grateful for that tonight. But we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Most people, uh, in our, especially in our modern day society, most people have this idea and they treat God as if he's just a spare tire when, or roadside assistance. They only call on him when they need him. And yet, even when they are in that predicament, even when they're in that place and they call out to God, they don't call out to God with the sense of, I, I need your help, I need it now, and I'll be grateful for anything you do. We oftentimes hear people, and I've probably been guilty of myself, of trying to bargain with God. God, if you get me out of this, then I'll do this. God, if you, if you do this for me, then I'll serve you all the days of my life. And we've got to be careful this morning or this evening that, that that's, a, that's, that's not the proper mindset that has when it comes to God. I remember hearing the illustration, you've probably heard it many times ago, of looking at our life and our Christian life as we are in a car, so to speak. And that's probably that spare tire mentality comes from we drive where we want to drive, we go where we want to go, we do what we want to do, and then when the problems arise, God, I need help. Lord, get me out of this. I remember hearing a preacher preach on this this illustration. He said, wow, we often think, well, it'd be good if I just got in the passenger seat and let God drive wherever he wants to go. He said, that sounds great. He said, but then we are so close to the steering wheel that if the Lord takes us down the wrong, what we think is the wrong way and what is the wrong path, we'll try our best to snatch the steering wheel away from him. He said, well, then you just get in the back seat. He said, in the back seat, you can't reach the steering wheel. 
But how many of us love backseat drivers? Why are you turning there? Lord, this isn't the way I wanted to go. Lord, I don't think this is right. He said, it's not just enough for me to get in the passenger seat into the car or in the backseat of it. He said, if we really trust the Lord, if we could walk up to him, hand him the keys, pop the trunk, hop in the trunk, say, Lord, shut it and take me wherever you want to go. I was listening to another preacher giving the same illustration and he got to that point. He said, he said, that's great. He said, but it's still not enough. I thought, my goodness, how much more control can you give to God? How much more of your life can you turn over to the Lord if you're willing to get in the trunk and say, Lord, wherever you want to go. And it was an old timey preacher. He had that gravelly voice. I was cutting grass. And I, man, I probably cut it crooked because <laughs> before I was listening to him more than I was paying attention to the grass. And he got that real raspy deep voice. He said, that's not enough. I said, oh man, how is this not enough? He said, every car comes with a title deed to it. He said, God is a perfect gentleman. He said, in essence, as long as me and you possess the title deed, God will only go and do what we allow him to do. He's not going to force himself onto anybody. He said, so if you want to give complete control over to God, think about it this way. He said, you and God go in to the DMV. You go into the tag office and you sign the car over to the Lord. It's now his completely and entirely. Then he said, then you go hop into the trunk, give God the keys and say, Lord, it's yours. And I'm just here for the ride. Hear the psalmist tonight as he is crying out to God. He's not bargaining with God, but in essence, he is begging God. And now, before we get any further tonight, we have to realize that when we say the word begging, our mind goes to one mental image. It is somebody who is on the verge of death. The executioner has the ax up. They're about to end this thing, and now they are begging for mercy. Save my life. And no doubt that is an application, understanding of mercy. But mercy isn't always just a saving from this. Sometimes we can appeal to somebody's mercy for approval. Just like when you're in the store. How many of you have had a kid say, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have that? How many of you know they don't stop after the first question? They don't stop after the first, why? They are trying to appeal to your mercy because they know that you have the means or they think they, you have the means to buy whatever it is and so they continuously appeal to you. So eventually our mercy shows up and we give in. My children, especially my son, now Miss Raylan, she is on point. She is, she is no nonsense. When we go to the grocery store, dad don't even go down the ice cream aisle. Dad, don't even go down the candy aisle. Dad, don't go down that aisle. There's nothing there for you, Dad. Stay away from it. Let's go buy broccoli and spinach. But T.R., he'll say, hey, Dad, last time we went down the ice cream aisle. Dad, when's the last time we went down the potato chip aisle? I said, I don't know. So he said, we ought to, we ought to go see what they got. Before I know it, I'm down the aisle with them. And it's never just, oh, Dad, look at that ice cream. Doesn't it look good? It's, Dad, can I have this? Dad, can I have that? Dad, can I have this? Dad, can I have that? And here's the thing. He's right. I've got the means to purchase it. And the more that he, he appeals to my mercy, the more I'm willing to say, all right, 
son. Neither one of us need it. Neither one of us have earned it. Neither one of us deserve it. But pick that ice cream up. I'll get home. It's said, why'd you buy ice cream? Well, <laughs> TR, he just taught me and do it. But notice here tonight, the psalmist, in essence, look at verse 149. He's crying out to God. He is begging God, not one that is desiring a, a, a merciful, uh, uh, what's the word, pardon tonight, but one who is appealing to the very mercy of God. That he knows since God is merciful, God will hear. Look at verse 149. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness. Lord, you are gracious. Lord, you are merciful. And it's upon that truth, Lord, I'm asking you to hear me. Because I know you will because it's who you are. And so now we're going to look at this thought of begging or bargaining. When we come to the Lord, are we begging or are we bargaining? Are we appealing to the mercy of God? Are we just saying, Lord, I've made a mess. Come fix this. Now, how many glad tonight that God, even though when we make the mess sometimes, he's still willing to help us? John chapter number four, that woman made a mess of her life. And Jesus fixed it all for her. Mark chapter number five, the Gadarene demoniac made a mess of his life. And Jesus said, let me fix that for you. But I'm glad tonight that we can appeal to the mercy of God and that he'll hear us. And we come to him begging, not because, not because we're afraid that he's gonna strike us dead. We're begging him because we know what he can do and how he can improve the situation. Notice, number one, his simple request. Here in Psalm 119, verses 145 through 152, the psalmist makes a simple request in verse 145 and 146. Real simple. Verse 145, I cried with my whole heart. What did he want? Hear me. Verse 146, I cried unto thee, save me. A simple request, Lord, hear me. In essence, it wasn't, Lord, answer this Right now, right here, exactly how I want it. But Lord, knowing that you hear my cries brings me enough comfort to know that everything's gonna be a-okay because if God knows about it and God understands this evening, then God knows what I need. You ever stop to think about this, that when you and I pray, we joke about it hitting the ceiling. We joke about it, you know, you know getting to the atmosphere, but no further. But when me and you, by faith, with everything that is in us, with the right heart and the right spirit, cry out to God. He's promised us that he hears us. He promises that he inclines his ear. He turns towards us to hear us. In essence, the psalmist was saying, Lord, just acknowledge me. Lord, take notice of me. I think we were talking about it at a camp one night, one day. I don't know, that's all a big blur. I just... My life flashed before me 19 times on the basketball court, but I'm still undefeated. Now, I'll be in a wheelchair at an early age, but I'm still undefeated. But notice here, we were talking about this, that if he cares about the sparrow, if he cares about those animals that we don't even know about, he provides everything they have. <laughs> we are told in the word of God to be careful for nothing. That if he takes such care of the, the creation of his animals and his plants, how much more will he take care of us? And so knowing tonight that when I cry unto God, it ought to bring us great comfort to know that he hears me. It's in request, Lord, hear me. Lord, hear my cry. 
Boy, I think about the book of Exodus. It wouldn't be the book of Exodus if there wasn't this verse. And God heard the cry of his people in Egypt. Notice here he said, hear me. Then his next request was, save me. Save me. I cried unto thee, save me. Act on my behalf. Even without our intervention, life is too much for us. I don't care how able you are. I don't care how great you are. I don't care how smart you are. Life is too much for you. But I'm thankful tonight the Lord knows that. We cry unto him. We say, Lord, it has become too much for me. Here's the thing tonight. Me and you don't have to go act crazy to find ourselves in a mess. Me and you don't have to go out into the world and live a life of sin tonight to find ourselves in a predicament. You can find yourselves in the middle of a predicament, serving God, doing everything you had, doing right. And find yourself still in a big problem. How many glad tonight that God can save you? God can help you out of those things. And here's the psalmist. He said, Lord, hear me. And Lord, save me. Then he makes a statement. I will keep thy commandments. Oh, he said, there it is. He's bargaining with them. Lord, if you hear me, Lord, if you save me, then I will keep. I will do the commandments. Now, we learned very early in our study the word keep doesn't necessarily mean a physical activity of, of, of keeping the law. It is me and you treasuring the word of God. Can I say tonight, when you understand that God hears you and God intervenes on your behalf, this book will become something else to you. you it's not just a song that you sing that's standing on the promises of God. It is a life that you live standing on the promises of God. Notice number one, his simple request. Lord, hear, save, Lord, I will treasure the word of God. Then notice this tonight, we see a scheduled application. We see a scheduled application, verses 147, 148. I read this and I thought, man, the psalmist has some power. He said, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. And I took our modern day understanding of the word prevented, we would say stop. If I prevented you from doing something, that means I hindered you or I made you unable to do, I prevented you. I stopped you from accomplishing the goal that you had in mind. But I looked the word prevented up in my Strong's Concordance and it doesn't actually mean to stop somebody from doing something. Here's what it means, it means to meet. To meet and so he said, I prevented the dawning of the morning. In essence, he met the dawn of the morning. Now, in order to meet the dawn, you've got to be up before the dawn. Now, some of you know you've heard about the dawn, but you've never experienced it. You've never seen it. It's just something that somebody's told you about. But notice, not only does he say the morning, but notice verse number 148. He said, my eyes prevent the night watches. It's not only that I meet the morning, but I met the evening. And we, what are you talking about a scheduled application, preacher? That at both these times, he had a specific thing or a specific time with the word of God. Look at verse 147. He said, I prevented the dawning of the morning. And I cried, I hoped in thy word. Sounds like he started his day in the word of God. He met the morning. He prevented the morning. He met the morning with the word of God. What did it produce? Hope. I mean, don't that sound like a morning devotion? 
Isn't that what we say while we get, how many of you, if you get in the routine, the daily routine of getting in the word of God, before you go about your day, and you get, before you go to work, before you do, you get up early, you sacrifice that time, you give it to the Lord, you get in his word, he speaks to your heart, he encourages you, and you go about your day, and it's better because you've been in the word of God. And then you miss a day. And then it just doesn't feel right. You tell something's missing. You can tell you have missed a step in the day, and your day doesn't go as good as it normally does. It's amazing sometimes you get up in the morning and you'll read your, your Bible and you'll pray and, and God through your daily Bible reading. You're not looking for a Sunday school lesson. You're not looking for a message to preach. You're not looking for something to send to somebody else. You're just simply reading God's word and letting him speak to you through his word. And in the process, he gives you the verse that you need for the day. Here the psalmist said, I have met the morning in the word of God and it produced hope. It produced an expectancy that I would get to see God keep his word during the day. But notice this, verse number 48, he said, my eyes prevent the night watches. He met nighttime with the word of God. Notice what he said, that I might meditate in thy word. And I might meditate in thy word. That nighttime is often thought of a time of stillness, a time of quiet, especially if you gotta get up in the morning you want your night times to be quiet. You want everybody in the house to go to sleep. In my house, there's noise until nighttime and until the dawn. There's this quiet time. Now, Miss Shiloh likes to interrupt it every so often. But typically in my house, once everybody's in bed, there's a quiet time. So he gets up in the morning, gets in God's word, and God gives him the expectancy, the hope of the word of God. He said, but when it comes to nighttime, he said, I meditate on the testimonies. So in that quiet time, in that still time, I just sit back and think about God's word. I meditate on it. I like to let it marinate in my mind, so to speak, and I just dwell on the promises of God. I remember, I don't know if I was in Bible college where I was, but there's a preacher preaching, and he said, how many have ever heard a pastor or a preacher rail on people because they fall asleep reading their Bible at night. I thought, and I've heard that before. How dare you fall asleep when you're reading your Bible at night? He said, but think about it this way. It's God speaking to you, right? It's God taking his word and he's calming your spirit. And he's speaking that peace into your heart. He's taking his word and he's, he's letting it calm you down. If you're like me, if it's nighttime and I calm down, I'm done for Put a fork in me, I'm done. We was at camp and them boys was up talking and talking and talking. And I don't know what they talked about because I was talking to myself and it sounded like a snore. <laughs> but notice here tonight, it said, I meditate, I dwell, I think on. It's a time of reflection. It was scheduled. In essence, he didn't just hope that it happened. He said, I prevented, I met the morning with devotion and I met the night with reflection. Let me ask you tonight, do you have a scheduled application of the word of God? Do you have time in the morning where you take God's word and you allow it to build hope in your life? And do you have a time at the end of the day where you just dwell what God has done for you today and what he has taught you through his word in that day? We see a simple request. We see a scheduled application. And notice number three tonight, we see a serious predicament. Here he is. I, I, I'm in the Bible in the morning. I'm in the Bible at night. And he's got a problem. He's got an issue that has arose in his life. Look at verse 150. They draw nigh 
that follow after mischief. Those who are not doing right, those who are not doing what is supposed to be done have now grown close to where the psalmist is. He said, I know they're up to no good. I know they're doing wrong. I know that they are coming towards me. They do mischief, the approaching enemy. Well, how do you know they were an enemy? How do you know they weren't, they weren't good to be around? He said, because they are far from the law. But we're living in a day and age where we can look at the world and say, man, they are so far from biblical truth. And here's the thing, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't shock me. Because I understand that the natural man understandeth not the things of God. Right? And but the Romans tells us that even in the days that we're living in, they'll leave their natural affection. I sit that and I see God's word unfolding in front of me. Doesn't surprise me. I guess what bothers me more that those that name the name of Christ have gone so far away from the word of God. It bothers me. But here the psalmist said, I know they're up to mischief because they are away from, they are far away from thy law. Here's the thing, the further you get from this book, the closer you get to no good. The closer you get to things that are mischief, things that aren't right tonight. But here he said, I am in it in the morning, I'm in it in the night, I'm in it throughout the day, I'm crying unto the Lord, I'm asking God for help to hear me, to save me. Verse 150, and they're still drawing closer. He said, I can see them coming closer into my life. He said, ah, but here's the thing tonight, as they are the approaching enemy, notice verse 151, I wrote it down this way, we have an all right, already almighty. Now, when I wrote that down, I said, I'm gonna mess that up when I try to say it. But he's the already, um, he is always there. Look at verse 151, thou art near. They're drawing closer, but God, you're already near. You're already, you're already there, Lord. Look what he said in verse 151. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Aren't you glad tonight? Yes, they're approaching, and yes, they're approaching with mischief and false doctrine and all that kind of stuff that we, we are warned against and we're to stay away from, and they're getting closer and closer and closer, but I'm glad tonight that as closer they get, I'm reminded God's already here. His truth is already here tonight. I already have everything I need to deal with them. Why? Wow, God is near. Psalm 146, excuse me, Psalm 46, 1 tells us he's a very present help in a time of trouble. He's already there. There's no question that he's already here. We know he's omniscient tonight. He's omnipresent. He's all knowing. He's always here. But I'm glad tonight when he, when you realize that yes, the world is seemingly coming against us. The world seemingly coming against Christianity and Bible believers. But notice here tonight, we, he's already here. He's already near. He's already exactly where he need him to be. Let me ask you tonight, has the concern of the approaching enemy drawn more attention than the Savior who's already near in your life? Notice the serious predicament. Then notice number four, his sustained acknowledgement. His sustained acknowledgement. Verse 152, concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. His sustaining acknowledgement that someone that he already knows God's word is true. And though he's realized it in his personal application and though he's realized it in the predicament of his life, if we sit back and think about it tonight, we know his word's already true even if we don't have the personal experiences that everybody else has. How do we know that? Because we have his word tonight. 
If, it was, if his word was faithful for Adam, if his word was faithful for Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and Joseph and, and, and Moses and Aaron and Joshua and all the way down to Malachi and in the, the New Testament, if it was faithful for Paul, then it's faithful for us tonight. We have a proven record. We can agree that concerning his testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. And here's the thing, if I believe this book to be true, I don't have to live my life bargaining with God. I don't have to live my life saying, all right, Lord, I've made a mess of it again. All right, Lord, I've done this wrong. All right, Lord, Lord, I've popped my tire again. I need roadside assistance because I found myself in a ditch. Well, what do you mean by that, preacher, that we don't have to bargain with God no more? Here's the thing. God doesn't want to be our Baal's bondsman. That's not the only thing that he wants to do in our life, to get us out of trouble. Well, how do you know that, preacher? He gave us his word. He said his word is a lamp to my feet, a light on my path. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit leads us into how much truth? All truth. How does he do it? Through the word of God. That's why God gave us his word, not just so we can stand up on a funeral and, and read Psalms 23 and, and comfort people and have a good time. It's not just so we can meet in church and, and the preacher can preach and say all these things. We can write them down and say, that's good, that's wonderful. He gave us his word so we could follow him, obey him, listen to him, and let him guide us tonight. This isn't just something that sounds good. This will keep you out of trouble tonight. What's that old song say? Uh, now I can't think of it. Either... The Bible will keep you from sin or the sin will keep you from the Bible. If we allow this to think, this thing to be more than just something we pick up on Sundays and Wednesdays and every now and again, but we get in every day like the psalmist that we meet, we meet the Bible in the morning, we meditate on it at night, it'll begin to guide us and direct us. So God will take a verse and say, hey, we don't do that no more. You don't have to go there no more. Hey, you got to watch out for them. They're up to mischief. Stay away from them. Hey, you need to follow me. You need to listen to me. You need to listen to my commandments and all that good stuff that's in here. Oh, preacher, I need you to teach me everything. I'm going to try my best to give you everything I have tonight. But you got a Bible just like I do. The same Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you, if you're saved, is the same Holy Spirit that dwells inside of me. God hasn't put a, a line here and said, all right, only those that are on the platform after singing get insight into the word of God. It's available to every person. Every child of God, he's written the Bible to you. Let me ask you tonight, have you taken time with the word of God? Beyond just your morning devotions, not beyond just your religious calisthenics, but you open up the Bible and say, all right, Lord, I need some leadership. I need some guidance. Brother Kim came to me a couple weeks ago about something. What did I tell you to get, Brother Kim? Get a verse. Get a verse because the goodness of a song will fade. The emotion of a service will become a memory. But when everything's falling apart, you can go back to the word of God and say, this is what God said. Lord, this is your word. This is where you told me, God. This is where you submitted in my life. And God, you haven't changed your word, nor have you changed your promise. I got a Marco Polo from Brother Ben Manley over in Albania, uh, I think I got it Saturday, and I was watching, listening to him speak and talk. And, uh, but he, he made a statement. He said, right now, they're, they're in a, kind of in a rough spot over there. The landlord that they are, they are currently renting their church building from has put the building up for sale. And Brother Ben said, we, we, you know, we've invested in this, we've done all this, 
And then at the same time, he said, our, our, our lease is coming up on our apartment. He said, he said, apartment life in America is no fun. He said, apartment life in Albania is even worse. He said, you make a noise after 9 o'clock, your neighbors pound on your walls. and tell you to be quiet. He said, so we've been asking the Lord to provide a house for us, and said, God's done that. He said, but now we've got a, this thing about the church. He said, we tried one thing, it just didn't work out. He said, but I'm trusting the Lord. He said, because the Lord's the one who put me over here. The Lord's the one who called me over here. He said, the Lord's the one that gave me the verse to come over here. And he said, Brother Tate, I know God's going to be faithful. He said, I've experienced it. He said, I've seen him work enough to know that he's going to be faithful. He said, but I'm asking God to show these Albanian people how faithful he really is. So he would help me pray for Brother Ben, but take that and apply it to your own life. Have I seen God's faithfulness, not just to me, but to his word in my everyday life? Lord, hear me. Lord, save me. And I'll treasure your commandments forever. Well, I'm glad that I don't have to live a life bargaining with God, but knowing I can come to him and beg him for direction, plead to him and say, Lord, I, I, you're merciful, you're loving kindness. Lord, I know you want to direct me. Lord, I'm asking for direction. As you begin to follow that direction through the scriptures tonight, you'll agree with the psalm. Oh, yeah, really? I knew it from old. But now I know it on a personal level. God will take care of me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. This evening, Lord, we thank you for another opportunity.